Today's episode of Home Row is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. The CSB offers an optimal blend of accuracy and readability, which helps readers make a deeper connection with God's Word, and it also inspires lifelong discipleship. The CSB is equally suited for serious study or for sharing with your neighbor hearing God's Word for the very first time. Learn more at csbible.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to another fresh episode of Home Row. And I've got a whole new setup today. I even got these nice little $6 foam backers from Amazon. So I'm sure it sounds like I am on the set of the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. I'm sure it sounds amazing. And <laughs> on today's, I almost said on tonight's episode, but it's actually <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning when we're recording. I've got Scarlett Hiltabeidel on. Did I say your last name right? You said it perfect. I'm okay. amazed. I was really leaning into the pronunciation of <laughs> the, your name on the uh, Malcontents pod, <laughs> which I think you were on that episode when they were making fun of me. I totally was. I'm so sorry that happened. Listen, I didn't even plan to be on that podcast that day. I, ha- I was in the right place at the right time. So I just hopped in on that conversation. <laughs> hey, I, I get it. It happens. And I, I texted <laughs> Barnabas and I just texted, how could you? how dare you yeah i know but he's given me the opportunity to defend myself on a upcoming episode i think we're going to record when we're in minneapolis next week for the bethlehem pastors conference and i i'm i'm sticking with this with this metaphor of delivering my book baby the book baby on march 1st listen on that podcast i said i i'm not all the way again like i don't usually call my book my book baby but i'm not against the metaphor at all I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why I thought of it. I think only because of the alliteration, the double B. Yeah, it's and, very common. I mean, a lot of yeah. people say book baby. Yeah. So when the book drops, I'll go ahead and spill mm-hmm. the beans here. Because uh, I don't know when this episode will actually hit the hit the podcast waves. But mm-hmm. I'm going to, on my own, I'm going to put a, a uh, like a baby, newborn baby hat on my book. <laughs> I'm gonna That's lay, amazing. I'm going to lay it on a blanket. I'm going to put a letter board on there, 176 awesome. pages, you know, please do that. Uh, please eight do inches that. tall, you know, 0. 0.9 <laughs> yeah. ounces, whatever the book weighs. I can't wait for that announcement. Yes. And I, I can't wait for the, for the mocking. That's great. So perfect. Scarlett, now, now that you're on the show, why don't you tell us, mm-hmm. uh, listeners out there who don't know who you are, tell us about yourself, your family, your job. And, uh, yeah. Okay, well, Scarlet Hiltabidal, you said it so perfect. Um, I write books and I have three children, um, three little girls, eight, five, and three. One of them's adopted from China and she it, we adopted her a year and a half ago and she's deaf, so we all learned sign language. So that's a huge part of our life now. And my husband um, does marketing at Lifeway in with small group Bible study. And, um, right now my children have this like home. Well, one of my children goes to school. One of them is homeschooled and she has this like Friday school day and I'm in a little closet in their homeschool (laughs) building. So if you hear any weird chanting or or songs or screaming, (laughs) that's where I am right now. Um, yeah. So that's, I think that's, those are all the details. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. And then what's something that you do for fun that, uh, maybe we don't know about? 
I pretty much it's writing, reading and Mexican food. That's all I got going on. <laughs> Those are the things I like. Writing has always been the hobby, just my only hobby, really. And I loved it. And I always wanted to do it for work. And so I'm just so thankful that I get to, you know, do what I was already doing um, as a job now. So, yeah. And <laughs> now you do you live in Nashville or around Tennessee or wh where are you? Yeah, I live right outside in Nashville. Okay. We actually so I grew up in big cities, all the big cities. And then we moved to Nash the Nashville area about six years ago. And we always lived in apartments and townhouses until less than a year ago, we moved on to a farm. Wow. And that's been an adventure because, like I said, I was a city person. My husband had some country roots. So we, we got a farm. We had some animals. They're all dead now. All the oh, plants no. are dead now. So we're a, we're a farm with no plants, no animals, except one hamster now. That's not a farm so, animal. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. We're like southwest of Nashville. So now, not too far. I'm not sure what the Mexican food scene is like out there <laughs> I, I can't imagine it's very strong well listen I, li I lived in LA and Miami and it was very strong in those two cities yes um that just all types of Hispanic food so good um I don't really have like a sophisticated Mexican food palette any Mexican place will make me happy not now, Taco Bell but anything above Taco Bell <laughs> I mean Taco Bell's not bad but yeah it's not a yeah. it's not the elite cuisine that we're all after no <laughs> But it, it'll it'll hit the it'll hit the spot yeah. after you leave the gym. Yeah. One of the gyms I used to work out at. Yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> right a Taco Bell the in yeah. the parking lot, and every time I walk out and I wow. stare at it, I'm like this is not. It's like get behind <laughs> me, good Satan. Placement. And I just, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm in Houston, and so oh. in, in Texas we have Tex-Mex, and yes. I'm also half Mexican, so I am a real Tex-Mex person. Wow, and I'm from Texas, and. I'm not a huge fan of authentic Mexican food. Really? I don't know if it's if it's because my grandmother, my abuelita, I don't know if it's because maybe she wasn't a great cook. And so <laughs> I'm judging all Mexican food by her cooking skills, which could very mm. well be the case. But I prefer Tex-Mex <laughs> over... I like Tex-Mex too. Oh, it's amazing. So yeah. good. And you do have <laughs> Chewy's up there now in Nashville, which is... We have Chewy's. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, it's not, not great. It's not my favorite, no, but I... I yeah not my favorite but i do like chewies too it'll, it'll get the job done yeah <laughs> so how did you uh, become a writer it sounds like you're probably one of those who early on you just had it uh you know that itch that that burning inside of you to write and to yes. craft words and sentences so walk us through how, kind of how you became yeah. a writer from to today Okay, before I answer that question, I think I only said this before we recorded, right? How much I've loved your podcast for for so long. Did Thanks, I say that Scarlett. yet? Yes, yeah, um, thank you. Okay, I really, really, I've been listening to it for a long time because, like I said, this is my one hobby that I love. But anyway, to answer your question, um, I when I was in third grade, when I was nine, I was like, I want to write books. That is my life goal. And so I started, I had those little blank booklets. And um, th so the interesting thing about my book that just came out, Afraid of All the Things, is that I have this 40-page book that I wrote when I was nine. Oh, wow. um, and it wasn't called Afraid of All the Things, but it did have back cover copy that I wrote that said, Scarlett has many troubles and ulcers. Will she ever overcome her fears? Read the book to find out. Oh, wow. Um, and it also said like a bunch of family <laughs> things that I won't share on a podcast. <laughs> um but yeah, and it was just, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with him yet. So it was, I, I look at it as a dark comedy, but it was just kind of this long list of 
you know, my dog got given away and my haircut looks like a boy and just all these things Amazing. that caused anxiety anyway. But I just, I loved books. I loved writing books. Um, and so then in my twenties, um, well, no, in college, you know, I studied journalism and English. And I took all the creative writing classes, but then I kind of changed my major a bunch of times. And then I was in college and I kind of just stumbled around in different jobs because I thought, how do you really make a job as a writer? I don't know. Um, cause I switched from journalism. I thought, I don't want to write about other things. I want to write like stories and do creative writing. Um, and so then in my twenties, I, I got a, I graduated and I just wanted to have like a non-secretary job. So I, I found my way to this Christian school and I was one of those teachers who didn't study to be a teacher, but they let me be a teacher. <laughs> um, and it was fun, but you know, I would, I would leave school at three 30 and then I would go home and I would write fiction novels and I would read Jeff Herman's guide to literary agents and publishers that the, that oh huge book goodness. they put out every year. I would read all those and I'd buy the new editions and I would like study literary agents and think, okay, this one you? wants this. I was like 23, 22. Okay. Um, my fiction novels were horrible. And unfortunately I sent them out to some friends who have them. So if those friends love me, they will never let them see the light of day. Um, but I got enough positive feedback from like high school teachers about my writing and even literary agents um, to keep me going because they would say positive things, but I wasn't writing good books. So they wouldn't take me on, you know, but they'd be like, we really like your style. We like this, but this, 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 this. Um, so, you know, I read in that Jeff Herman's book that it's like, it, this doesn't happen, like less than 1%. Like I, I knew that the chances were very unlikely that it would actually happen. So it was just kind of the thing I did in my spare time. And I just kind of daydreamed about it really happening. Um, and then I had my first baby um, eight years ago and I wanted to stay home with her, but I wanted to earn money on the side. So I started, um, I was like, this now is the time I'm going to like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try to do this. So I emailed um, the one writer I knew <laughs> and he like wrote for some sneaker magazine. Oh, wow. Um, and I was like, hey, how do you be a writer? And he was like, go on Craigslist because you can't get a writing job unless you've already had a writing job. And honestly, I thought that was kind of a blow off answer. And but he was right, like, <laughs> because it's true, like you can't really get a writing gig unless you have some kind of body of work to, you know. Um, so I did that. I went on Craigslist and I got I was seriously so thrilled to write for this like antique stores website oh about grandfather goodness. clocks and mirror and antique mirrors and i wrote these long historical articles about furniture for <laughs> like a year um and then it, that just kind of led to this other job about half marathons and i really don't like politics but i wrote a little bit about politics under a fake name for a little while <laughs> um just because it was a writing job i yeah. just wanted to you know write about everything um and all that led to, um, am I answering too long? No, no, I, <laughs> no, long no, go for okay. it. Just telling you the whole. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then I got a job writing curriculum for like children's small group curriculum for a church, which led to writing it for another church. And, you know, all the while as my hobby, I was still trying to write books and they were fiction. Um, but anyway, there you go. That's how I got started. I'll share more when you. Right, so, <laughs> so on Craigslist, what did you Google? Just <laughs> okay, listen. Or what did you secret. search in I'm Craigslist? You, yeah, listen, writers. Here's the secret: you go to Craigslist, go to your city, and then there's jobs, and then there's like at the very bottom of the job section, it says writing editing gigs. I'm gonna and do this right now while you're talking. There's so. stuff all. The, I mean, listen, it's like Houston five Craigslist. ten dollars an article. <laughs> okay, what um, what should I search in Craigslist? OK, 
okay, let me do it so that I make sure I, okay, you go to, you see how there's like all those categories? Right. Are you there? Yes. You see jobs? Jobs, yep. And then you see at the very bottom, it says writing, editing. Writing, editing, right there. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would go there. Look at that. And there's always stuff. Like I'm looking at one right now, blog posts, music, food, art, culture, writer, stuff like that. And some of them don't pay you and some of them pay you $5. And it, once you've had some of the little ones, and then I kind of like made relationships and got up, you know, I'd write for other people. I don't know. I wrote about everything. That's amazing. So that's how it started. <laughs> That is so, uh, you know, hey, for some extra cash on the side, you want to go out to a nice yeah. Mexican restaurant? Go out to a go. nice little Taco Bell. That's right. right. Yeah. About antiques. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great idea. Okay, I'm going to put a link to Craigslist <laughs> in the show notes for you listeners. I mean, uh, I don't know. Okay, here's another tip. So another thing I would do is I would just Google freelance um, writing gigs, those words. And I found higher paying ones that way because there's all these job sites you can look at and you know, you just got to make a fake identity, fake name. Don't give out your social security number. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, say I yeah. took payment via PayPal. Anyway, that's what I did earlier. Freelance on. writing gigs is what I Googled. Freelancewritinggigs.com. Yes. That's what just came up. Those were my secrets. <laughs> Amazing. What, what, is, what was one of the best ones that you, you got in the freelance writing gigs? Um, okay, if by best you mean worst. Sure, yeah, we'll go worst. Um, let's go worst. Wait, I had it and then it just fell out of my brain. Okay, here's the worst one. I I was the social media writer for <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of the business. I don't know if it still exists, but it was like it was like a where to find your handyman, come to this website. And I'm thinking, why don't you just go on Google or like you know like right. you could just do this without this website. Um, but I was supposed to be like, "Hey guys, this company in Texas is making windows you should check it out so you know that's it that was one of the worst ones that's like telemarketing yeah and i got 40 dollars a month for that job um amazing <laughs> and then the best i think uh i don't know the most steady thing i did was writing curriculum but as far as like articles i wrote a lot of articles for lifeway and i had this like motherhood blog i wrote for for a while i don't know it was all just it was good practice yeah that's a great idea because, you know, I, I think so many people that they want to become writers and, you know, maybe they can try their own like personal blog. Um, mm -hmm. And there's been a lot. I don't know if you've seen it on social media. There's been a lot of conversation lately about the place of the personal blog still. Have you seen this? How it's kind of fading out in yeah. social media now. Yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, Charlie's kind of kicked it off talking about <laughs> yeah. with the rise of so many ministry blogs and, like TGC, Desiring God. Uh, Lifeway Voices for the Church. I mean, they can go on mm -hmm. and on and on. There's so many um, that people are writing less on their own personal sites, which I get. Right. Because yeah. if I post something on my site and it's got, you know, a decent following, but if I mm -hmm. share it on social media, whatever, if I don't get the Chally's bump mm -hmm. where he, if he doesn't share it on his a la carte, then not as many people are going to read it. But I know right. if I go and share it for, if I go write for the Gospel Coalition or whatever, then there'll be a lot more people reading it and not, yeah. not even just for platform reasons. I don't care about that, but just for mm. truly helpful reasons. Yeah, exactly. It'll be, it'll, it'll be serving more people. And mm. so I know people want to get into writing and like, well, should I start a personal blog? Well, maybe, but definitely doing some freelance writing. That would be a great way to, yeah. to do some writing. Well, let me tell you, I feel very fortunate that I kind of snuck in right before this started happening because I didn't get to the, how I got into books part because I felt like I was just going to have a never ending stream. Of right, work. right. Yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> um, but 
as far as the blog thing, that was actually the first thing I tried before the Craigslist is I started a blog, but I didn't have, I didn't want to know what my voice was. I didn't really know what I wanted to say yet. Um, so I deleted it. And then, um, through all these different jobs, which I think it was so good for me to write for all these different people and businesses, cause they all wanted something different. So it helped me know like what I wanted to actually say and how I wanted to actually say it. And so after years of that, um, my husband who is, does work in, you know, uh, small group publishing, he's helped me. He still, he helps me so much cause he had kind of an insider view and he was like, you you know, cause I, I kind of knew what I wanted to say at that point. And he was like, you should start a blog. So this was like three and a half years ago. And the blog is what actually led <laughs> to the books. Mm. Um, because I started a blog and I finally, a new blog, finally knew what I wanted to say. And what I wanted to say, like your first book is I wanted to just have a gospel center. I wanted to just talk about life in a lighthearted, funny way and point to the gospel every time I posted something. And so I was finally like, okay, I have a direction and I, I know what I want my voice to be now, you know? And so I started doing that and it's just one of those, it, you know, call it coincidence. I'm going to say God dropped it into my lap, you know? Um, but I was trying so hard in my twenties and doing all these things and reading these books and sending out hundreds of query letters to literary agents, like, please represent me so I can talk to a publisher. (laughs) Um, and none of it, you know, they would talk to me, but it wouldn't go anywhere, but I started my blog and what ended up happening was a stay at home mom who has a private social media account shared one of my blogs and I have, I still, like you said, I don't have a lot of followers to my actual blog, but she shared it and she happened to go to like middle school with some woman who grew up to be a HarperCollins acquisitions editor. (laughs) So that lady saw my blog and she reached out to me and said, you know, uh, you don't have, you know, would you like to do some freelance work for us? I think you have a book in you someday, but whatever. So I said, yes. And so I started, I did a couple freelance book projects with HarperCollins and those were like, I didn't even know about that world, but one of them I did uh, was this prayer journal where they already had a cover and an idea and they said, we want you to write the words basically. So it was not my book. It was their idea. And it was just a one-time little paycheck to write the words of this prayer journal and the questions and the devotionals in it. Um, and I didn't even think my name would be on it, you know, so that, that happened after the blog, but then the prayer, they did put my name in it. And it did really well. So then that got the attention of my current publisher because she had a mutual friend who was like, my friend Scarlett's book is doing really well. And so then they reached out to me. The publisher reached out to me. So I, I still don't have a literary agent. Um, but the publisher that I, B&H Publishing, reached out to me and they're like, let's meet, talk about books. So oh. we go to a, Me- we go, of course, to a Mexican restaurant. That's the best. And they're like, so do you have any book ideas? And I pulled two fully formed, propo- like 25 page proposals out of my bag. And I'm like, here, my whole life, I've been waiting my for this goodness. moment. Like, <laughs> here they are. And so those are the two books I have coming out this year. Yeah, I just um, saw, I was like, man, not only did you release one book this year, <laughs> but you have another one. And oh, you've got, crazy. you've got the best titles. Let me, let me go ahead and thank you. <laughs> share the title. Okay. So the first one, which we'll talk about, uh, well, th- I'm guessing this is the prayer journal. And I'll put links to all this in the show notes, the weekly prayer project. A challenge oh, to don't journal, worry about that. Pray, reflect, <laughs> connect with God. Well, let me let me tell you my feelings on that. Okay, so, go ahead. About the book baby thing. So yeah. Devin Maddox, who's at my publisher, he's one of the publishers. Um, he said that was my surrogate book baby, but afraid of all the things is my first biological book baby. There you go. Here's the thing with the weekly prayer project. Like, I it's I'm so thankful for it, but like I sent in a word doc. I never got to have any part of the editing. So stuff that I had put in there got chopped right. out. And, you know, I would have changed some things, 
Um, anyway, so yeah, it's okay. Yeah. No, so I, I understand. Say that. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, so here's your first one, first book, baby. Afraid of all the things, tornadoes, cancer, adoption, and other stuff you need the gospel for. Great, great title, and it's great design, Thank of course. You. I um, love the design. Yeah. I agree. Second one, the second book, it just made me laugh when I was reading the, uh, <laughs> the subtitle. He numbered the pores on my face. Hottie, for teen girls. <laughs> yeah, hottie lists, clogged pores, eating disorders, and freedom from it all. That is great. Thank so, you. So good. Um, have you ever seen a tornado? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so in Afraid of All the Things, I talk about being in a tornado. So, yeah, I totally have seen a tornado. Um so my husband's phone, the way that my, I saved my own name into his phone, there's a tornado emoji next to it because <laughs> tornadoes have been like one of my biggest fears for my, like so much so that it's part of my identity on his phone. Um, and very long, long, long life story short. Um, we, I told you we adopted joy a year and a half ago and that was just this whole miraculous, awesome God thing that he did. And, you know, like my book title, I have always lived afraid of all the things and adoption was something I was really afraid of the idea of that I didn't want to adopt. And it was a total God gave me the desire. God put me in a bubble of supernatural peace, led us to this deaf girl. Um, and so the tornado thing happened two weeks before me and my husband, my then one year old and five year old were about to board a plane to Beijing um, to go adopt Joy. And God had just done all these things, you know, like financially, we didn't have, you know, $38,000 to spend. Right. And he provided through, not just through like, you know, people at church, but like a stranger found us on the internet and said, this is just blows my mind. She was like, we flip homes and we like to tithe what we earn to help bring orphans home to families. And she dropped this huge chunk in our account. I mean, it was just really miraculous. And it was like the timing too. It was like, we owed an agency payment. So God had done all these things that I was just in this time of life where I was like, I really believed to live as Christ and to die as gain. That's not just a memory verse right now. That is real. Like he's so in control. And I, so I had such an eternal perspective in that life moment that when I was in this Dunkin' Donuts, seeing a tornado pass by on the street right in front of me, it was crazy. Um, I was peaceful. It was crazy. Um, yeah, but I lived anyway, cause it wasn't right on me, but it, I mean, I saw it. <laughs> crazy so yeah never seen one <laughs> but I, I know i'd be horrified if i saw oh, one the worst and I, I shared your book with with my wife yesterday because she was mm -hmm. talking about i don't know how we started talking about it um would like would it be terrifying to be buried alive or to drown <laughs> And like, why are we talking about this? They're both horrible. Oh, yeah. Both horrible. And she said, oh, the, the stones would be like, if you were buried under a pile of stones, like she's terrified. Of, mm. Oh, this is why we're talking about going on sabbatical. I had my sabbatical this summer. And oh, awesome. We we're talking about visiting some caves. And she's like, I'm not going in caves. You cannot get me <laughs> in a cave. She says, I can't even go into a parking garage. Like it just terrifies oh, me. And so I, I was yeah. joking about it. And I was like, oh, you should totally read this book. And I sent her the, the audio book on our, our Audible Aww. account. Um, so I just started, you know, with, with your book too. I'm going to listen to it when I'm driving around. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely cover a lot of those fears <laughs> in the book. I, that is the way my brain works as well. So. Perfect. Yeah, I think it'll it'll resonate so so well. Now, so how did the so afraid of all the things, 
Mm-hmm. That was just one of the proposals you had tucked in in that in my bag, but in, in your bag. Yeah, I had that was the one I really wanted to write because I I had never written for teenagers before. But I looked at my blog, which I had started kind of as a you know, eventually I want to make a book. Here are the things I want to say, and the things I talked about a lot was I talked a lot about. I would share a lot of like funny, humiliating stories from my teen years. <laughs> that was one thing. So I kind of put that with the pores idea. Um, but fear has just been such a struggle for me. I, you know, I was, I've been telling people when I talk about this book, I think that one thing that switched for me was I lived my whole Christian life, um, with such a defensive protective stance that I, I couldn't experience that peace that God loves to give us because my, when I woke up every day, my goal wasn't God, you know, how can I experience your love today and share it with other people? My, my thought was, how can I protect myself and my family, you know, um, from all the scary things in the world? So um, it was just such a big struggle for me. And the whole gospel-centered way of thinking, I, I grew up learning the gospel, but um, I didn't really realize that it applied to, that I could apply it to everything in my life and that I could apply it to my fear and anxiety and panic um, until really eight years ago when I and I write about this in the book, but I, I met this woman who was gospel centered and she just kind of practically laid out what that means in her family. And, um, you know, I think I would describe my faith, you know, I I got saved when I was 14. Um, and I believed that I needed the gospel. I needed Jesus's death and resurrection to get me into heaven, but I better do a really good job after that of being a good Christian, because what if I die? And then he says, you know, you did all these things in my name, but depart from me. I never knew you. And so I was very works driven, even though I didn't think I was because I knew the words of the gospel and I knew I needed Jesus, but I I was just kind of con- hung up on that. Um, but then when I met this woman who explained what her home looked like, she was like, you know, I, if I argue with my husband or snap at one of my children, I apologize to them in that moment. And I repent in front of them out loud. I pray and ask God for forgiveness. And I show them what it looks like to turn from sin because my goal is not to have perfect kids or be a perfect mom. My goal is to show my children that we are weak and we need Jesus every day. And just, I mean, being with her for five minutes and hearing that, it was seriously like earth shattering to me because I thought, oh, like I don't, I don't, you know, because my underlying anxiety was always, I'm not really a Christian. Um, I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) Um, and just being in that room with that woman, Elizabeth, who I don't even know. I mean, I just happened to be in the the right room where she said that sentence and, um, it changed my marriage and it changed the way I decided to parent my children. And, um, I mean, that's what the book is about. I just kind of walk through real life, scary things. I've gone through like almost dying because I had an internal organ rupture and being in a tornado and all these real things. And then also all the things like what your wife was talking about, these things in my imagination that would just keep me up at 2 a.m. And just learning to practically apply the gospel to all my fears and preach the gospel to myself every day and humble myself every day because I'm so forgetful um, and just learning to rest. So that's, that's, that's afraid of all the things. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. I, I can't wait to read it. I know I can often like these irrational fears I can hmm. quickly succumb to them. Just yeah, like it's amazing how I mean there are some that I'm chronically terrified of, especially like having young mm. kids and oh, yes. <laughs> them being at school and just being around people, even like being with friends. Because you hear, especially now with the with so much conversation in our culture about Me Too and 
mm-hmm. and abuse and just so many of these horrible things that have happened to people. Um, now I'm just like perpetually worried about my children and I just constantly had just having to remind myself like, Lord, I know I can trust you and we're not being foolish. These are, these are normal things for kids to do. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's okay for my kid to walk to the mailbox, you know, like I can just totally give into those fears so, so quickly. So I know your book's going to be just a helpful reminder to me as well. Well, I hope so. Now let's, let's talk about some of the the uh, daily rhythms of, of your writing. I know this is one thing I always hear from listeners that they're really interested by and encouraged by. So as you were writing this book or even just even outside of the book, but just your normal writing stuff, what are some of your practices? Do you, are you writing in the morning? Do you go to coffee shops? What are some of those things that you do that might be an encouragement or, or helpful to someone listening? Well, I'm not, I'm not one of the, like my husband wakes up at the same time early every morning and he has a very disciplined nature. So I'm not really that type. Excuse me. Um, excuse me again. Um, sorry. I, I, um, okay. What do I do? So I'm a night person. So, and I have three young children and like I said, I homeschool one of them. So our days are kind of hectic and chaotic. So most of my writing gets done during their rest slash nap time. When I put them all in their rooms for two hours. Um, I do that. I usually work during that time. But actual writing, you know, for me anyway, I have to like have total, I just got to be in the zone. And so I stay up really late. I'm just one of those people who I don't, you know, I probably sleep six or seven hours a night and I'll kind of catch up every once in a while and just sleep for 11 hours every couple months. I don't know. Um, But I've just always kind of been that way. No matter what time I go to bed, I just don't sleep that much, but I like being up at night. Um, so that's when I write, I write at night. I, I tuck my children in at seven. I tuck my husband in at like (laughs) seven 45. And I mean, I, you know, I do the nighttime thing with my family, but then I get up and live the second half of my day basically. Um, because yeah, that's when I write. Uh, let me think practically. I don't like, I don't set. Um, I mean, I guess I have in the past set word goal, word count goals and stuff. And it depends. Like if I have a big project, when I've been working on a book with a deadline, I'd be like, um, you know, okay, I need to write this many words today, but I'm very deadline driven. I always meet my deadlines, but, um, I just kind of rely on my, on my phone calendar and I just look at it every week and see, okay, what do I have to do this week? And then I just try to knock it out at night. I don't really have a system, a daily system. Okay. Yeah, totally. I, I think everybody's so different. I don't have a daily system either that I, I probably should. There's, it seems like there's a never, I probably should too. <laughs> like there's, especially as you know, when, when a book comes out and the publishers want you to, Hey, try to do some promo for this. Maybe write something oh about goodness. your book for the site. I'm like, listen, ah. I did not anticipate. And I mean, it's so fun and I'm loving it. I just, I didn't, I didn't know this whole, you know, the dream for me was that I could write a book or the dream first was get a literary, you know, just even having that conversation. Yeah. So I just feel like every step of this whole book publishing process has been, a wonderful surprise, but I have to keep like reorienting my life. Like right now, like you said, I'm doing podcasts and I'm writing articles and, um, trying to navigate how to have a system with that because I definitely need a system. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Yep. We're right there. So those of you out there who like, yeah, I want to write a book, go for it. Then also know you also have to sell the book too. And you gotta, you gotta be out there. And Barnabas has always been so helpful with this stuff that there's a huge difference between 
pushing yourself mm-hmm. and and wanting to make the message known. Right. And so I know that's that's the heart. I think of a a true, honest, faithful Christian writer who goes, Hey, I have a message I gotta get out there. Um, yeah. not just myself. I could care less about myself. Uh, yeah. so, so now at afraid of all the things, great, mm-hmm. great title and all, <laughs> all the things. So what were some things you were afraid of while you were writing this book? Ooh, while I was writing the book, you know what I was afraid of this that we're doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because let me tell you what you just said. I was thinking, yes, when I was a nine year old, I thought, okay, so part of my story is I grew up daughter of an actress. She was on Saturday night live when I was six months old. She was part of the cast and that was my upbringing. And so I got this very unique view of Hollywood <laughs> that I that made me like, eh, I don't, I don't really want to be part of that. So I thought, and I loved writing, so I thought that is such a great behind the scenes <laughs> thing. Yeah. And I say that, and like this week I was on our local TV station and I'm doing these interviews, oh, no. which I grew up watching my mom doing. And so honestly, my fear, and of course I'm writing this book about freedom from my fears, but as I was writing it and editing it, I was so fearful of, doing interviews and being on TV and um, just this whole kind of visible portion of it. Um, And God's been so kind because I, my publisher, they're so great and they haven't just prepared me. I mean, it was like a 16 month process to make this book happen. Um, And they didn't just prepare me practically like, which they did like, here's good practices for doing an interview, but they also spiritually prepared me and just kind of warned me of the dangers. And just like you said, you know, falling into, I mean, idolatry. I I wrote an article about this recently um, that I can send you to link to. But when people ask me for writing advice, I send them this article because it does share practical things I did, but it mostly shares the idolatry I battled. Because um, what I've learned through this whole thing is that humbling myself anyway, looks like never feeling like I'm doing, like, I just, I, I don't trust my own heart. I just have to daily get before the Lord and say, Lord, help me want um, what you want today, you know, because it is, I mean, I got caught up in the wanting to get a book published mindset in my 20s that, I mean, it was an idol. It was, and even in writing about Jesus or writing curriculum, I was trying to be successful in it, you know, and that's not, and I, so, you know, I'm thankful that this book is God's story in my life. It's not the chiclet <laughs> um, drivel that I wrote, not that ch- all chiclet is drivel, but what I right. wrote was. Um, that I was trying to get published when I was 22. Um, I'm thankful that he didn't let it happen when I was trying so desperately to make it happen for my own advantage and my own success, but that he was meanwhile teaching me what it looks like to rest in the gospel and what it looks like to be humble. And, you know, I think that I always, I never thought that pride was something I struggled with, but I've noticed just the older I get in my Christian life, you know, as soon as I you know, notice that I'm humble. I'm not humble anymore. I'm like, man, you know, right. it's like, I think that that's so true of all of us. We, as soon as, if we're doing something for the Lord and our motives are as pure as they can be, even though our righteousness is filthy rags, as soon as we notice that we're doing something for the Lord, we, we are mentally patting ourselves on the back. So it's just a daily, um, you know, <laughs> shift of looking at Jesus instead of looking at myself and my goals, um, while still trying to, you know, do the things that I'm called to do and that i want to do i don't know i forgot what you asked sorry yeah no 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 (laughs) no it was really really helpful and wise wise stuff in there and i was kind of blending into the second question i was going to ask now now that the book is out uh what what are you afraid of now after its release Hmm. what am i afraid of right now um i'm doing good i'm in a i'm in a good season with my fear i oh sorry can you hear that yeah no i'm with you uh send a voicemail sorry someone called me oh no that's okay my Uh, husband 
Um, so okay, sorry, sorry, Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. You just got sent to voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now I'm in a good season. And in the book I write about, um, just my different phases of anxiety and panic. And I, it started when I was a child and my parents got divorced, but I've had all these phases. I've been on medicine for seasons when I was hyperventilating all the time. And, um, I also talk about all the different kinds of anxiety. Anyway, all that to say, I'm doing good right now in that I'm feeling pretty peaceful. Um, I don't know if I could pinpoint a fear. I mean, like you said, as parents, you know, and also I grew up daughter of a SWAT guy. My adoptive dad was on the SWAT team. So I know all the horror story scenarios. Um, but I'm just really thankful that I'm in this season of being on podcasts like this and talking about my testimony, which this podcast is more about writing, but I've been on other ones lately where I got to just fully share where I was with my fear and what God's done in my life and how he's taught me to fight it daily. Um, so I feel thankful that, oh, and this is what I, how I was going to finish that, you know, my friends and publisher prepared me well to just, um, you know, be on my knees a lot and, um, depend on the Lord. And that is when the peace comes. And so I really do feel just thankful and excited to, share what God's taught me right now. And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm I mean, I'm sure I'll huh. struggle again. Good, I'm yeah. wired very yeah. anxiously, but I can't think of a particular thing. Well, I'll say like anything in particular with your book itself, like oh, afraid okay. of like negative, Oh, I'm going to get a mm. bad review or yeah, obviously I can I tell like, that? like you're very honest in, in the book and talk honestly, a lot of vulnerability and, and all those kinds yeah. of things. Um, like the, uh, so for me, the pre-release mm-hmm. or the, advanced author copies just came mm-hmm. in for my new book, humble Calvinism. That's when I was afraid what yeah. you're having right now. That's when I was afraid. <laughs> and I'm looking at it and flipping through yeah. it, which some of this, I mean, we're recording this January 25th. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I have not seen some of what I wrote in here, like in the introduction mm-hmm. in the first chapter, I haven't seen since January of, of 2018. Isn't like, that bizarre? Yeah. yeah. And so I look at it and go, Oh, I could have said that better. <laughs> oh yeah oh that's not a good sentence why did i leave it yeah. like that oh it's terrible people are gonna hate oh, this book uh my okay, wife is i'm like, with you now yeah she's like shut up jeff that's <laughs> yeah um yeah so listen that's when i had anxiety about the book because like you said super long process you turn it in there was one part that i'll share with you on on here even though i kind of hoped that it would just disappear and <laughs> never <Perfect>. be known but um <laughs> there was it was on page 35 and the moment that the advanced copies went out to the launch team people, that's when I had that kind of panic moment of like, okay, did I say, you know, I mean, I, it right. was, ed- it was so well edited, thoroughly edited by so many people, but I did have that kind of moment while people were reading it, but before I had gotten any feedback. Um, and there was this one thing on page 35 where, and I, I already said this, but I wrote the book in a very lighthearted, like hopefully humorous tone. And so um, I'm talking about all these scary things and I referenced an actual sinkhole thing where a guy died in a sinkhole. And the thing is in that paragraph, I'm citing the news article and my point of the paragraph was like, these things happen. These things are real. It's not irrational because it really happens. But then I made, I made a joke at the bottom of that same paragraph just about myself and being afraid of everything. But I thought, how insensitive! And I named and I named the guy. Okay, so that this was the problem. This dude died, and I'm. Yeah, and yeah, and I named him, and I and I thought, oh no, like he has a family, and that's a tragedy. And I made a joke right after, and it wasn't about him, but it was like, I was like, wow. So I kind of 
my panic and fear throughout the editing process was the book was done. It was being sent to the printer and I'm frantically, I see that when I think I was, I was rereading it for the final edits and I saw that and I emailed the editors. I'm like, this has to please tell me it's not too late for yeah. the guy's name to come out. Like the situation is still in there. Cause I didn't want to make the point I was making, but I thought right. his name does not need to be in there. So Praise the Lord. Oh, nice. <laughs> it was taken yeah, out in time. Awesome. Um, but even, listen, even when the advanced copies, the digital copies went out to the launch team, it was still in there. So I had another wave of, oh, I hate this. And um, so I, I sent a message to the launch team and I was like, you guys put this in the book. So thankful they caught it before it went to the printer. Just know that if you're reading that and, you know, I just, I'm sure, and nobody, everyone's like, oh, we didn't even notice, but I'm sure that that guy's family would notice, you know, and I just, it, like you said, it's hard because these are words and you can't, once it's in a book, they're out there, you done. can't take it back. It's there, yep. it's done. And so totally I had that fear, but at this point, enough people have read it and been so encouraging. And I feel like I've had enough encouragement to like hold on to for when those negative and I've gotten, you know, I, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure it will deeply hurt me if anyone doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> but but I'm not afraid of that right now as we're talking. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had to remind myself. Like I had a great editor at the Good Book Company, great proofreaders, mm -hmm. and endorsements from theologians and pastors and great writers that I couldn't believe. Awesome. Took, took time to read the book, so I just had to sit back and go, it's okay. Yes. It's Rest done. in that it for is, sure. It is what it is. And I know, yeah. I know my identity is not in this book. Um, just or in even being a but writer, but it for sure. Yeah. Say all that um, again, just in case hey, I want to quickly, cause I didn't, Oh, are you hearing children? I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't hear kids <laughs> on, on my end. I don't know what oh. it'll sound like on the actual recording. It sounded like a cyborg was talking. Oh, okay. Where was I? Um, what was I saying? I forgot. <laughs> I said, you know, uh, oh, I, I, I was just saying, what were you saying? What was, what was I saying? Oh, that I, I don't find my identity You're... in the book or in all, all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. And then I was just going to say that it is still so vulnerable though, to put, put it out there and just, it's just wild. Um, and I also wanted to say, cause I didn't say this when you asked me about my writing process, that I have this wonderful gift in my husband in that he is so good with words and I send him everything that I put out into the world before I send it to the editors at the publisher. And so that kind of helps me not be too afraid of what goes out there because he's really smart. That's what we connected over was words and loving. Um, he doesn't love writing as much as me, but he's, he does, but like he says, he'll never write a book, but he's a really good editor and he's brilliant. And sometimes I'll send him, I would send him a blog and he'd be like, eh, I don't know that you should post this or, you know, and I'd be like, okay, I trust you. Yeah, um, what a so gift. before I sent this, oh, such a gift. So before I sent this manuscript to the editors at B and H, he had read every word and, you know, he would say, ah, I think maybe our little system is we use Google docs. So I'll send, I sent him the whole manuscript and he, you know, if you could do suggesting you know, about that, like yeah. um, in editing, he could say that he thinks I should cut out a sentence or that I should add this and then I could either accept it or reject it and we're usually on the same page sometimes I'm like I disagree but um usually I listen to him so that that has helped me not be too afraid of putting stuff out there he's my little um safety net secret weapon <laughs> huge that's great now as, as we as we wrap up I know we gotta gotta come to an end here soon um what would it be like a maybe a book or two that you'd recommend to listeners to go to go read on writing oh, on writing 
man, my favorite one is Stephen King's book on writing. Um, and I've never read any other Stephen King books. I haven't, I haven't my either. Genre. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like maybe I should, but maybe I, I haven't should. either. I mean, he's very good. Like that, that's why I love that book. Cause I read a lot of, um, books that I can't remember the titles in college. Um, I, what was that name of that strunk and Barnabas mentioned this one lately too. Elements that I of style. Read. Yes. I mean, that was one that I used a lot when I, you know, was in my twenties trying to figure things out. But when I read Stephen King's book, I, I, he's just very engaging and his advice is so good in that book just for making, making your writing be good. <laughs> you know, be, that's a bad sentence, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love, I just love that book. I have that. I reference that and, um, that's my favorite one. Um, what other, I don't know. That's the one I'll, I'll recommend. Cool. Now for people out there who want to keep up with you, follow you on social media or whatever, where would you direct them to go? Because my last name has so many I's and L's. <laughs> it and is kind my, of like daunting when you see it for the first time. It really like, is. And my first name this. is, yes. And my first name is always misspelled because it has one T, even though most people spell Scarlet with two T's. I will say the best place to go is afraid of all the things.com. Okay because those are easy words to spell <laughs> and all my book stuff and Instagram and everything is linked there. So. Dot com. So I'll post a link to that in the show notes and I'll, I'll link to your Twitter page in the show notes as well. My Twitter's not great. Maybe don't link to that. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, um, I'll remove it. I'm bad at Twitter, but you can't know. Like, please. Yeah. Please do link me on Twitter. Cause I'm trying to be better, but I'm mostly on Instagram at Scarlet Hilton Vital. So. Okay. Perfect. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll link to there too. Well, Scarlett, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, really look Thank forward for to, having me. to listening to your book. And so, okay, your your next your one that's coming out later in the year uh, with the mm -hmm. clogged pores and and blackheads <laughs> and and back back knee or wh whatever. Oh, well, that sounds super gross, guys. Don't listen to that. It's not like that. Don't um, worry. <laughs> what, so it's written for teenage girls. You said it's written for teenage girls, and I yeah, I had never written for teens before. But I noticed I had written a lot about my teen years. So I just kind of shifted. I kept the same stories, but shifted the perspective of the, you know, pointing to the gospel um, for that age group. But I mean, what would you be could the read appropriate it. <laughs> age, do you think? Like, where would you um, like what? 13, 13 to 20, start, I guess. 13 yeah. to 20. Okay, cool. Yeah, my daughter's yeah. 10. So we'll give it, give it some years. Maybe she's really mature. I mean, I do talk, I talk at length. And afraid of all the things I mentioned, my past eating disorders in college, but at, in the teen book, I talk about it in detail. So yeah, I think it's a, depends on the maturity of the kid. I know that stuff is out there. So, you know, I just kind of share my testimony with that and the lies I was believing and yeah, 10 is a little young probably for it, but. <laughs> thanks well, again. Thanks for coming on the show and you can find all the links to books and everything we talked about here in the show notes. Just scroll to the bottom of your podcast app and you can find that and uh, let's keep writing. Thank you so much.